Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. We'll be hearing God's Word this morning from John chapter 18, uh, starting at verse... Uh, where are we starting? John chapter 18, starting at verse 26... Um, or sorry, starting at verse 28. I've got it written down wrong. Sorry, well, here, guys, we're this morning, uh, John uh, chapter 18, starting at verse 28 through 1916. Uh, and this is continuing the story of Jesus' last night. So if you were here last week, we saw in the first part of John chapter 18 how Jesus was arrested in the garden uh, and how he was taken and put on trial, but not really much of a trial. It's hardly a real trial at all, just kind of a sham trial uh, with the high priest and the religious leaders at the time, we saw primarily how Jesus was still standing even as everybody else literally fell down before him. Even those who came to arrest him fell down. And then even his faithful disciple Peter, who boldly followed him, ended up failing in his strength and in his courage as he denied Jesus three times. And so now we're moving to a different scene. The, the trial, such as it was, is over we're moving away from Peter who denied him and we're moving before the Roman governor, Pilate. And so this is now the account of Jesus before Pilate and what happens there and the significance. Uh, you can kind of see some of this in hints in the text, but just so you know, as you listen to it, the significance of what is happening is that uh, uh, Israel at the time was an occupied nation. So the people of Israel, the Jewish people had their land that they had always lived in, except they had been exiled for a while and they came back to it. And they had some kind of, some measure of independence, some measure of self-government. They had their religious leaders. They had some measure of political leaders. But what they didn't have was ultimate power and authority. And in particular, they had no right, while they could enforce some of their own laws, they had no right to put anybody to death. And the religious leaders very much wanted to put Jesus to death because in their eyes, their claim was that he was committing blasphemy. He was claiming to be God, and they thought he should be executed. But they don't have the authority to execute him. So that's why they're taking him to the Roman governor, Pilate, who does have the authority to put people to death, because he represents Rome, and Rome controls the world and can do whatever Rome wants, wherever it goes. So that's, that's the situation of this negotiation where the religious leaders are trying to get Jesus put to death for fundamentally a religious crime, but they need the political governor to actually do the deed. And so that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves, as the Jewish leaders, did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? 
Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all, unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard those, these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king! They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar! So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that your words were written down for us, that they are written down and preserved over the centuries, over the millennium. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he stood there before Pilate on our behalf as our king. We pray now that as we reflect on this story, as we reflect on these words, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that these words would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in, uh, in, in one of the great stories... Uh, the Lord of the Rings. It's probably been, it's been at least three weeks since I've mentioned the Lord of the Rings. So it's, it's time to mention the Lord of the Rings again. But you can't, you can't look at a Bible story about recognizing a true king without thinking about the Lord of the Rings. So in the Lord of the Rings, if you're not, if you're not familiar with all the ins and outs of the stories, the brave little hobbits uh, are taking the great ring of power and they have to take it on a long journey. They don't really know where they're going. This is at the beginning. And they're being pursued by these evil riders. And so finally they get to this inn and they come across this man named Strider. 
And Strider is a strange looking sort of man. They hear from the innkeeper that he's just a little bit mysterious. He looks kind of disheveled. He goes about for long jaunts and comes and goes at different times. He's known as a ranger. I don't really know what to make of this guy. He has, he has a power about him, but he's rather scary. And they're faced with the choice as Strider offers to help them on their journey of do they trust this man Strider? And really what it comes down to is do they recognize who he really is? For it turns out as we go through uh, the rest of the, the epic tale that this, this ranger Strider, this dark and mysterious figure, is in fact the true king of all the free peoples. He is the true king of the nation of Gondor and he will ultimately be set on his throne. And the hobbits, thankfully, they recognize the king and they follow him and they, they trust him and they follow him and he leads them to safety. He leads them to safety. He leads them to healing. He leads them to victory ultimately. It's, it's a great story because in great stories, everybody recognizes the king and then the king goes off to victory. But life is a little more complicated than that. We like to think that we would all recognize the king. But the problem we have here, we see here in John chapter 18, is we fail to recognize our true king. For we are so caught up in the eyes of the world that we live in that we cannot recognize the king who has come down from heaven. That's really the, the crux of this interaction between Jesus and Pilate is this question of, well, are you a king? What, what, what kind of king are you? That's really the core. Pilate asked him straight up uh, in 18, where'd he go? Uh, his first question to Pilate, or Pilate's first question to Jesus in verse 33, 1833, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus in typical fashion does not answer, but banters back and forth with Pilate, ultimately coming to my kingdom is not of this world. See, that's really the key message for us, the main thing that God wants for us to see this morning is that Jesus is the true king, but he has brought the true kingdom down from heaven. And if we want to live in the, if we want to live rightly, if we want to order our lives rightly, we have to see him rightly. See, Pilate misses it. He just, he just kind of throws up his hands at all this talk about kingdom is not of this world. Okay, are you a king? I'm just trying to figure out if you're a king. I'm trying to figure out if I should put you to death or not. And Jesus starts talking about not of this world and truth and all these things. And Pilate, in a great modern 20th century move, says, what is truth? If you thought the question of fake news and different competing claims to truth was a modern question, it's a very old question. Pilate asked it from the beginning. He doesn't care about truth. He cares about power. He cares about whether Jesus is a threat to his power. He cares about whether Jesus is more threat to his power or whether the Jewish leaders are more threat to his power. That's all Pilate cares about. He doesn't care about truth. He doesn't really care about kingship. He wants to settle this as easily and quickly as he can. And he doesn't really care who gets hurt in the process. But the message for us is that we need to recognize the true king. We need to recognize the true king that has come. See, the great irony here. In, verse 19, in chapter 19, verse 5, Pilate brings out Jesus, dressed in the crown of thorns, wearing the purple robes, and he says, Behold the man. And it's not entirely clear exactly what Pilate is trying to do here. He's probably trying to appease the crowd somewhat, saying, Look at this guy. He's no threat to you. 
Like, I've mocked him. You don't need to worry about this guy. Like, don't, don't make me put him to death. That's probably what he's doing. Or maybe he's just continuing in the mocking of him himself. But it's an ironic cry. Because Pilate's call to behold the man is the call to each of us. Is what we are, in fact, to do is to behold Jesus. To see him rightly as the true king come down from heaven. But our problem is that the true king is nothing like what we expect. See, he's come, for one, he's come from out of this world. He's not concerned with the things of worldly power and worldly politics and working it out and, and making everybody happy. He doesn't even care. He doesn't answer Pilate's questions. He gives him, he gives him weird, uh, like kind of, he banters with him about where his kingdom is. And then when Pilate presses him later on, when they go back inside, he just says nothing. And then he's like, Pilate, I could kill you, you know? And he's like, yeah, not really. You don't have any authority. Because Jesus comes with complete and full authority down from heaven. And yet Pilate's call, Pilate's mocking call to behold the man is the call to each of us. What is the main thing we need to do here? We need to see Jesus rightly. We need to see that true truth, true authority, true peace has come down from heaven and has come down in the person of Jesus with the crown of thorns on his head. In Jesus' apparent humiliation, we behold our true king, for his true power comes in his sacrifice and his suffering on our, for our sake. So Pilate here sees all the right things, and he says a lot of the right things. You are a king. Behold the man. And yet Pilate himself misses it. And so we may wonder, what is this, this question that I posed even in, in my Resurrection Weekly email yesterday, what does Pilate have to do with us? We are not Roman governors. We do not have to decide questions of execution and that kind of thing. But yet, when we dig into what Pilate is wrestling with, we see three very relevant lessons for ourselves under the heading of what does it mean to behold Jesus rightly? to see the true king rightly, we see three things that Pilate misses out on. And yet we are faced with day in, day out. And we need to see for ourselves. So those three brief applications of seeing him rightly are that we need to realize the truth, we need to resist appeasement, and we need to recognize authority. So because Jesus is the true king, this is what we can do. First, we realize truth. This is Pilate's question, what is truth? But Jesus had said in verse 37, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. See, this is a big deal for Jesus throughout the book of John about truth. He had said back in chapter 14 that we saw a little bit earlier in the summer as we were going through Jesus' last discussions with his disciples. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so here he is, the great irony as Pilate is standing there saying, what is truth? Thinking like we often do that he has to figure it out. He has to work out the details, evaluate the different claims, evaluate the different players, decide what's real and what's fake. And truth is standing there in front of him because truth comes in the person of Jesus. That's what he had said back in John chapter 14. I am the truth. That's what John said back in John chapter one. When he's first describing who Jesus is, he says the one who came down from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the very embodiment 
of truth. So when we look to, to behold our king rightly, we have to realize truth. And realizing truth does not come in figuring out all the facts. It is good, of course, to pay attention to facts and to try to understand the world as best we can and to listen to where people are saying and what, whether they have any validity to it. But ultimately, truth is found in the person of Jesus. And so if we want to be people of truth, if we want to be people who know the world rightly, what it means is to get close to the person of Jesus. Truth came in a person. Our king is full of truth in his person. And what that, what that looks like as we get close to him, as we go into relationship with Jesus, as we dig into his word to get to know him better, we find that all the different things we wonder about in this world, who should I believe? Who should I follow? How should I act? They all come out of a foundation of understanding the truth of God revealed in his word, revealed in the person of Jesus who did all things well. See, we tend to make this distinction in our, in our minds. We, we distinguish between the things that we know and the things that we do. And we talk about you can know all the right things, but, but where does the rubber meet the road? What do you actually do? And so we think of knowing and doing as two different things. And knowing is what we figure out and doing is a matter of our actions. And Jesus comes and says, no. Knowing is a personal knowledge. To know the truth is to know Jesus in a personal way. And that can't not affect our actions. We will always act in accordance with what we truly believe and what we truly feel. We may want to believe something different. We may want to feel something different. But we act in accordance with what we truly feel and what we truly believe. It's just the way we're made. It's what we do. And so if we want to act in accordance with our, if we want to behold our king rightly and act accordingly, we have to get close to him. And we realize that things with, that fit with who Jesus is and fit with his word, those things are true things. And things that go against his word, that go against the person and the nature of Jesus, those things are not true, and we reject them. So first, we realize truth. The second thing is that we resist appeasement. You may wonder, appeasement, where is that coming? This is what I think is going on in chapter 19, in chapter 19 verses 1 to 6. It, it's a little weird because Pilate comes out to the Jews at the end of chapter 18 and says, I, I find nothing wrong with him. I find no guilt in this man. And then they say, and then he says, shall I release him to you? which is a weird question, like they brought him to him, and it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. They're like, no, 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 give us this other guy, Barabbas. Crucify him. Away with him. And so then Pilate takes Jesus and flogs him. You're like, where, where's the discussion? Like, what is going on here? They take him, he flogs him, the crown of thorns, the purple robe. Like, what in the world is Pilate doing since he just said he found no guilt? And what I think Pilate is doing here is he's trying to, make, he's trying to appease them. He's trying to say, like, look, maybe if I just rough him up a little bit, maybe if I mock him a little bit, they'll let me not crucify him, and they'll just let it go. It seems most like, again, it's not, you know, John just tells us the story and leaves us to figure out exactly what's going on, but it seems likely that that's what he's doing. He's letting, he's letting Jesus get beat up on, and then he brings him out before them as a humiliating figure to say, there's nothing to see here. There's no danger to you. Look at this guy. You know, we hear, behold the man, 
and that's how, what we should do, but that can just as easily mean like, look at this guy. What, there's nothing to see here. He's just a beat up kind of guy. We can make fun of him. We have the power over him. Yeah, maybe he claims to be a king, but that doesn't mean anything in the face of the mighty Roman Empire. But it doesn't work. There is no appeasement of this crowd. And Pilate should not have done that. And so when we think that we can kind of steer a middle ground and make everybody happy and just, you know, shade the truth, shade the edge off of some of the things we believe, just kind of go quiet about something, shade the truth a little bit over here, say some things that people like to hear, it's not going to work. Because Jesus has no interest in appeasement. Jesus is the one and only king. And he will not give in and say, yeah, I'll share power with you, Pilate. Sure, why not? Doesn't work. Jesus is not interested in appeasement, and evil is not interested in appeasement. The, the Jewish leaders were going to have none of it. They wanted him put to death. At the end of the day, there's two forces in the world. There's God who rules over all, and then there's Satan who is resisting him. And so we cannot try to strike a middle ground between God and Satan. It does not work that way. Now, in the way that works out sometimes is a little complicated because sometimes you have to, you, not everything is always completely clear uh, exactly who's saying what or who's being controlled by what. But ultimately, we know that evil in this world, injustice in this world, oppression in this world, those things are coming from Satan. And we don't, we don't seek appeasement with Satan. We seek victory in Jesus and we trust his ways even when it seems like it's not possible. See, Jesus' followers, his disciples here, they might have been with Pilate. Like, yeah, let's, let's just let him get roughed up a little bit, but like, don't kill him, right? And then we'll just go on and do our thing. It might have seemed like an attractive option, but it wasn't going to work. Because see, Jesus here knew that his path to victory was in fact through this path of suffering. And so as they thought, as Pilate was seeking appeasement, as maybe even some of Jesus' followers watching from afar might thought this might be his way out, his way to live, he knew he was on the path to full and complete victory. But it was a victory through suffering. So even through the appearance of weakness, he was following the path of his own power. And so we follow that with him. Sometimes walking into situations of weakness where we don't try to, to seek appeasement, but we know we might suffer. The Christian life is not one of peace and easiness. It's often a life of suffering and challenge. But it is a life of fulfillment of knowing that we are following our true king. So we realize the truth, we resist appeasement, and then finally we recognize authority. It's the last question that comes up here. When Pilate says to Jesus in 1910, you will not speak to me? Do you, know that I have a, do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, yeah, not really. You think you have this authority, Pilate, but you really don't. Like you kind of do, but this authority is only given to you by God. And so we recognize both the limits of our own authority, that we do not have as much control over things as we might think. Everything we have, whatever measure of authority we have is simply delegated from God. But we also recognize where we do have authority. That God has given us things to be in charge of. He's given us families to be in charge of, workplaces to be in charge of, classrooms to be in charge of, social situations to be in charge of. 
He's given us all these spheres where we do have authority, but to use that authority rightly, we cannot be like Pilate. We cannot think that that comes from ourselves, but we recognize that that true authority comes from above and that we exercise what authority we have in allegiance to our king in the way that Jesus would want us to, which is never going to be for our own benefit or for making things easy for ourselves, but is going to be in the service of truth and justice and righteousness. The last, the final sad irony here is that Pilate comes out, he sits in the seat of authority, in the judgment seat to make a right judgment. And he makes the wrong judgment. And he sends Jesus off to be crucified. So Pilate makes the wrong judgment. He uses his authority wrongly. And the Jewish leaders in, the, in their ultimate kind of, in their ultimate failing here, you know, maybe they had a, a legitimate religious dispute with Jesus. But at the end, you, we see them saying, we have no king but Caesar. What irony we see there that the Jewish leaders, the ones who declared allegiance to God alone, who bowed the knee to no man in their hatred of Jesus, in their getting so wrapped up in the ways of the world and the power of the world, they declare allegiance to Caesar over their own God, seeking to have their own God put to death. So what does that mean for us? We must behold the man. And when we see him with his crown of thorns, with his mocking robe, when we see him stretched out on his glorious cross, which does not look like glory in the eyes of the world, it looks like execution, it looks like humiliation, but that is the way of glory. That is the way of the true king that comes down from heaven. So we recognize the true king. We behold him and we follow in his footsteps, finding truth and real peace and authority in his name. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you've given us. We pray that you'd help us to understand more and more what it means to follow Jesus as our true king. Help us to see him rightly, to behold him deeply, to seek deeper and deeper relationship with him each day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.